You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice show, Building the Collective Conscience, a show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. Man, we got a hot show today, folks, in Black and Studio, episode 156, 156 episodes. That is crazy. But something in the news I just could not ignore. It's been happening for over a year. And I I guess probably in this episode, I'm probably going to rub some people the wrong way. But that's okay. Because I'm used to that. I'm used to the criticism. (laughs) You can't do this job if you can't handle no criticism. But I'm talking about the recent, uh, I guess, sentencing of uh, Amber Geiger in this uh, case with... um, both of them John and I I just there's there's a a couple of things that are just puzzling to me not the fact that um, that a black man lost his life and that and and that's probably a um, a sad statement to make because I should be shocked by the fact of a black man being murdered but it's been a historical trend that has never been broken. So I'm not shocked by the fact that he lost his life. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked by all the, all the inconsistencies in the, um, just the whole way this thing went down. And um, if, you, if you haven't heard about it, we're, we're going to uh, take a listen to something that's going to kind of, what, what I want to do right now is build a foundation for the case that I'm going to make today. Because we're talking about, was this man murdered because he was black or was it an accident? That's what I want to answer. And then, all, then I want to get deep into this idea of black folks forgiving people that do heinous things to them. We're the first ones to get up and say, I forgive you. And, and, uh, and, and, then, and we had a bizarre, I mean, I, I want to say a bizarre unfolding of this idea of forgiveness. Now, I'm going to touch, it's Sunday, so I'm going to touch a little bit on in Christodome and some of the theology that goes behind forgiveness. But I, I, I would argue at this point that um, we got it skewed. I don't think we truly understand what forgiveness is and somehow black folks in this we have been conditioned through christianity and i i know some of y'all uh gonna come home from church and hear this and go what brother michael talking about well what brother michael is saying is that some of y'all have been indoctrinated into this idea that you don't have the right to have righteous anger you have the right matter of fact anger is an emotion right and to deny that emotion is to deny your own humanity. And then there's an expectation of how black people should respond to things like this that is built in, right, Christianity and also white supremacy because you cannot dissociate white supremacy from Christianity. Oh, man. Now, that's a tough one. Well, look at the white Jesus. I mean, Jesus wasn't white. 
I mean, I, I I think I did a show on that one time. I don't I don't. It's probably in the archives. But what I'm saying is, like, this whiteness is embedded in Christianity, and then there is a certain way. Let's go back to the black codes, which told black folks really how to react and respond and that regulated black life black life and black reaction has always been regulated by the dominant culture and i'm arguing this morning is that the fact that it's still being regulated that we are responding because of a conditioning that has a historic guess what impact on us as black people so what i want to do is take a listen is that the first one all right, all right, brother. Okay, we're going to take a listen to this, and then um, let's come back and talk about it. You don't know it, but you leave your shower covered. Can, can I give her a hug, please? Compassion, grace. Yes. Whatever you call it, in a hushed courtroom in Texas tonight, we witnessed it. 18-year-old Brant Jean forgiving Amber Geiger, his brother's killer. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. <laughs> I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do this unlikely ending perhaps the biggest surprise in a case that captivated the nation for more than a year Geiger the former Dallas police officer convicted of murdering 26 year old Botham John in his own home when Brant John hugged her a lot of emotion poured out of her I think the healing process hopefully is starting to occur in her now. That young man is 18 and he is a leader and he should guide us in healing. It's a rare act, easy to preach, hard to live, a grace we've seen before. In Pennsylvania, after a gunman stormed an Amish schoolhouse and shot 10 schoolgirls, killing five. What happened today in the West Nickel Mines Amish School in rural Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, has horrified the country. Hours later, members of the community visiting his wife to forgive. That shooting at a Charleston church, a racist rage met with redemption from the victim's families. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. We have no room for hate, so we have to forgive. We love you, Ms. John. And again today. It has truly been an emotional day today and really an emotional time all throughout. Our Marcus Moore has been covering this case since the beginning. You were in the courtroom. What was the reaction? The judge did something I've never seen in 20 years plus of covering courts. She left the courtroom and returned with a little book. And then she started reading Bible passages and mentioning Bible verses. She said to Amber Geiger, I'm giving you my copy of the Bible to take into to prison with you so that you can study it and and she said to her you haven't done so much that you can't be forgiven you did something bad and in one moment in time what you do now matters more moments before the jury that convicted geiger of murder handed up their sentence after less than two hours of deliberation 10 years imprisonment in the texas department of criminal justice 
far less than the possible life behind bars the former officer faced. Geiger's mother pleading for leniency earlier in the day. She wanted to take his place. Geiger facing additional scrutiny at sentencing after prosecutors introduced jurors to two texts and social media posts described as racially insensitive, including one with the dog-owning friend. The friend telling Geiger the dog may be racist. It's okay, the former officer replied. I'm the same. Amber Geiger getting that 10 years in prison. Uh, some people in, in the hallway, they were outraged. Botham John's mother speaking with reporters after the sentencing. If Amber Geiger was trained not to shoot in the heart, right, right. my son would be standing here today. This case in trial shining a spotlight on how our nation deals with race, police transparency, and one officer's use of deadly force. The breaking headline out of Dallas at this hour. Police chief there calls this a very unique case. Last September, Amber Geiger, who'd been a police officer for four years, was coming home after a 13 and a half hour shift. It was around 10 p.m. She lived in apartment 1378 on the third floor. Directly above her in 1478 was Botham John's apartment. The St. Lucian native described by his friends and family as a ray of sunshine. Botham had a love for everything and everyone. That fateful night, he was home watching television, eating ice cream. Geiger entered his apartment, saying she thought it was her own, shooting Botham twice, killing him in his own living room. The idea that someone could walk into an apartment that's not theirs, to somehow convince yourself that that person is in your house committing a crime and your option is not to back out of the house, but to shoot and kill them. All those factors were incredibly hard to stomach. She told the jury she accidentally parked on the fourth floor and walked in. When she got to the door, she says, she put the key in and it just opened. At that point, she heard someone inside. I knew somebody was moving around inside my apartment. I wanted just to find that threat. She says she saw a figure move toward her. In court, Geiger demonstrated how she says she confronted the person. I have my gun pointed, and I'm saying, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. What were you focused on? Him. Why did you fire? <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> I was scared this person said if I was going to hurt me. And I'm so sorry. And after days of a trial, yesterday, a verdict. We, the jury, unanimously find the defendant, Amber Geiger, guilty of murder as charged in the indictment. This verdict is for them. This verdict is for them. But for John's mother, today after sentencing, that feeling of justice fleeting. That 10 years in prison is 10 years for her reflection and for her to change her life. But there is much more to be done. By the city of Dallas. Yes. Can I give her a hug, please? As for young Brent John, his act of grace, he said, is what his older brother would have wanted lead a broken soul to Christ. In this age of anger, when many rush in the popular vernacular to throw hands, a young man raised his. Grace, an unmerited gift, when given, it is a sight to see. Okay. <laughs> There's quite a bit to unpack there. Um, you, you know what, what? What stands out to me first, and, and I believe this was done by CBS, 
um, it's this this idea of compassion and grace. Uh, it, it it seemed to me that this episode um, really humanized Miss Geiger. I mean, all of this compassion that was showed toward the murderer. I mean, she was convicted of murder, right? Not manslaughter. She was convicted of murder. When have you seen an episode like this? Now, I want to, I want to guess, tread delicately because I, I, I will never be one to make a value judgment on someone that is grieving and that has received such a great loss. But for analytical purposes, I want to break this down for a minute. The brother. Okay. The brother. If you are truly sorry. Well, that tells me he doesn't know whether she's sorry. And when we get to this thing about forgiveness, you're going to understand there is really three elements that you need in order for forgiveness to take place. So he don't even know whether she is repentance of her wrongdoing. He said, go to God. God will forgive you. We don't know where this person is at. Well, we know she, she sent out racist tweets. How is, is, is she a child of the king? Is she, has she professed her Christianity? Go to God. Go to God. And this thing puzzles me. This thing truly, I thought about this all week long. And I still could not get my head around it. I didn't even know how to interpret it or to make sense of this statement. I don't want you to go to jail. Mm. I don't want you to go to jail. I want you to go free. I want the best for you. This person was convicted of murdering your brother in his own house while he's watching TV and having a bowl of ice cream. Now, people will say this is this is the higher level of being. When you can rise to such a point where you can forgive in this way. But can you rise to such a point where you don't want justice? There should be justice for both of them. He can't speak for himself. He can't tell his side of the story. All we know is from her. Why? Because she murdered him. So how does he get justice? Did you not know they said they found when, when the D Dallas PD went through, they said they found some marijuana and tried to defame this brother? Always. In other words, he becomes even more victimized. And what we see here is that she is not a perpetrator. She's a victim. Let's just look at some of the things that happened here. The hugs. Can I hug her? Not only did he hug her, but the judge hugged her. And if you watch some of the videos, the bailiff, who was a black woman, 
is seen there stroking her hair, like getting her prepared right before the sentencing was to be announced. This black woman is comforting this murderer. Now, I'm again, I'm not here to demonize her, but I'm here to say that the narrative should be different. What I'm talking about today should be different. She was not treated like a murderer. She was not treated like she had taken a life and broken the law. The judge even went back in her chambers, came back out and gave her a gift, gave her a Bible, as if she can't find one in prison. Gave her a Bible, her own personal Bible, and then shared some scriptures with her to comfort her. Am I the only one that has a problem with this scene when this young black man who was doing everything right was a pillar of his community, was engaged, involved in his church, was a son of a loving mother, was a great sibling. Does anyone care about his life? I can tell it from that scene. It seems like his life had no value. Her life had the most value. Wow. Wow. I don't know. It's something to think about, folks. But we're going to get into this idea of why this happened. This has historical roots in our culture, in American society. Was this man murdered because he was black? Or was it simply an accident? We're going to get deep into this, examine it, walk away from it with an understanding. Hang in there, folks. We'll be right back. This is Jamie Lindbergh, host of Upbeat Urbanism, a podcast where we seek to have an open dialogue about what it takes to create healthy, intentional, sustainable communities, one conversation at a time. Each episode is an interview with a city planner, leader, developer, real estate professional, or community builder. To listen, search for Upbeat Urbanism wherever you find podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at UUrbanism and on Facebook at Upbeat Urbanism. Devote yourself to your community around you and devote yourself to creating something that gives you purpose and meaning. Until then, keep it upbeat. Oklahoma Humanities Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org. What? What can we make of this? Hmm. Yeah. 
too common occurrence, matter of fact, the loss of black male life. The growing incarceration of black women. Yeah. Too much of an occurrence is happening in our society. And we are afraid to ask the questions why. And not only ask the questions, but then answer them in a very truthful light. This <laughs> talks about the healing process begin when the hugs took place. And I heard and also in this video in the Charleston shooting, no room for us to hate. That's why we must forgive. Is that a condition? So if I don't forgive, I'm hate. I'm hating someone. Is that a correlation? I beg to differ. There's a big difference between hating someone and forgiving someone. You don't you 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 don't have to forgive anybody. That doesn't mean you hate them. Let me tell you the key. The key is not to have bitterness cuz bitterness only eats you up. There is no condition that says, if I don't forgive you, I hate you. That's skewed. Forgiveness. Do we really? And, and, and I'm talking about forgiveness in the, in the biblical sense because they brought it up. Not me. I'm not trying to preach to you today. <laughs> I don't have a Bible here. Uh, I got witnesses in the studio. I, Mike ain't sitting in front of you. He got no Bible with him. I'm so I'm not trying to preach to you today, but they brought up the biblical thing. Right. He said, I, my, I'm doing it because I know my brother would want you to find Christ. They brought it up. So what I'm saying to you is, do they even understand? Forgiveness. Or the theology of forgiveness. I beg to differ. They don't. Let's listen to something here about forgiveness as far as forgiveness is concerned you know forgiveness is just from a biblical spiritual perspective it's a personal thing for other you know for everyone uh, you know depending on their own personal proclivities but if we're just talking about in the christian faith forgiveness is a process that includes inputs and measurable behaviors from the perpetrator of the person who requires forgiveness. Yeah. This is a part of the forgiveness narrative that even Christians don't understand um, is, is a requirement for the process. It is not just a quick, uh, you know, you've done me wrong and for me to be a good Christian uh, or for me to be a good person of spiritual belief, I have to immediately forgive you and you're released from responsibility for making anything right of what you've done. That's that's not what the doctrine of forgiveness is uh, in, in the Christian faith tradition. Um, it involves quite a bit more than that. It, it involves true contrition and it involves a changing of the uh, uh, perpetrator's behavior away from those actions that warrant forgiveness. And then 
then when those things are genuinely done, then we can talk about forgiveness. Um, but usually even then it doesn't require uh, hugging people who murdered your loved one in a courtroom. But <laughs> Okay. Forgiveness is a process. A process. Input what requires inputs and measures behavior from the perpetrator. In other words, a person that has done something to you has to exhibit some sort of behavioral change. You see, the skewed idea of forgiveness is ingrained in the black DNA through Christianity. For black people, it shows a level of strength and humanity, right? It's a way to show the world that we're human and that we're strong enough to deal with the pain. This has been happening through slavery, through Jim Crow, through second-class citizenship. Now in mass incarceration, we forgive because it shows a sense of strength. We can handle all of this. But however, this further justifies the devaluing of black life. Because forgiveness, immediate forgiveness, unearned forgiveness, devalues black life. It takes the importance off of the person who has died or the person who has been, I guess, grieved. And it puts the emphasis on the perpetrator. Right? So we lose our focus off of the humanity of Brother Botham and we focus more on Amber Geiger's humanity. Our inability to stand up and seek justice makes this response the only one that is acceptable to white supremacy. See, you can't, you can't. You, 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 you have been conditioned. This is what I'm saying to you. Most of us, not all of us. Not all of us. I'm not going to throw all of us into and furthest to the entire black population. But a majority of black folks have been conditioned. And we don't understand our conditioning was done by white supremacy. And so what we try to find is our own strength and our own identity and saying simply, I forgive you. Maybe it's a sense of control. Now, I control this thing now. Um, I'm not so vulnerable now because I'm exhibiting a certain level of strength to the world and strength to my perpetrator. The young man being able to come down in that position of authority and say, I'm going to hug you and you need to do A, B, C, D, and E. What well, it probably says more about him than her. But again, I do not want to be critical of him. Let me give you four conditions when it comes to forgiveness. And we again, I'm, I'm I, they brought up they brought up the biblical way. I didn't bring it up. I'm just going with it. But if we're going to if we're going to stand behind this, let's understand what we're dealing with. Number one, there must be a confession of guilt. I don't think she confessed anything. She justified what she did. Her argument was, this is what I went into this. I thought it was my apartment. The, her key didn't even work. That tell you the door was locked. 
Then the door was ajar. Why would you put your key in if the door was ajar? I mean, only a fool would do that. That's like me walking to an open door saying I'm going to close it and then I'm going to open it back up with my key. Come on. The, the, she, she, I, I, this is what I think. And again, I, you know, it's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. Okay. I think she knocked up, knocked on the door because she couldn't get in. Still confused. Not that she didn't recognize a different carpet. She didn't recognize the different paintings on the wall. But she, you know, she was sexing before, uh, you know. Her boyfriend before she was, that's what they say. They got text messages talking about getting it on that night or something like that, right? And so I believe she knocked on the door and um, thought somebody was in her apartment, heard some noise. He opened the door and there he was, a black man. And then her implicit biases took over from there. We're going to talk about that. What happened in that moment, Right. So, number one, there must be a confession of gift. Number two, there must be this thing called repentance, right? This is a Greek word, and the Greek word from the, from the Bible is metaoia. It means metaoia. It means a complete change. It's like you're going in one direction, you're going the other. It's a complete change. So, in other words, I must confess, and then I must change. You remember the lady said it's a process, like, I, I just, I forgive you. No, it is a process that, a, that the perpetrator must go through to prove to you that they are sorry. So you have this repentance, right, this change. And then, then number three is, is, is the complete change of behavior. It's a complete change of behavior. You heard the text messages. She said she, she called herself a racist. She said, I'm just like the dog. I'm a racist. That's what she said. I didn't say that. That's what she said. And then number four, restitution, right? That's somebody steals something for you. They need to give you the money or whatever. Whatever needs to happen. Jail time, whatever. She got five. She got 10 years. She could have got 99. She's going to be out in what? She'll be out in what? Five years. Oh, she's going to be out. If y'all think she's going to be in there any longer than that, you have lost your mind. She's going to be out in five years for murdering this man in his own home. If you're not safe in your own home, where are you safe at? If you can't go in your house, lock your door, put on your TV, get yourself some ice cream. And, and 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 know that, guess what? I'm not going to die tonight because I'm in my own house. What were you growing up? Mom used to say, stay out the streets, boy. Get home before it get dark. Why? Because it's dangerous in the streets. It shouldn't be dangerous in my home. Yet and still, she got what? She got 10 years for taking this man's life. Folks. Um, there is a reason why this transpired. In that moment that she entered into that apartment and she encountered this beautiful black man, something transpired in her. Not in him, 
Recall he was where he should have been. She was not where she should have been. He was in his natural surroundings. She got caught up outside of hers. Something happened within her. And we're going to take this break. And when we come back, we winding this thing down. We're going to get into her psyche. But it's not just her psyche. It's the psyche of a lot of police officers. It's the psyche of a lot of people in our culture. When it comes to black men, it doesn't matter. Your education doesn't matter how good you are in your community. It doesn't matter whether you're a family man. It doesn't matter. What matters is you are draped in black skin. That's the problem. Not with us, <laughs> but with those who see us as less than human. We will be right back. If you're looking for a good podcast to listen to, check out AKA Steve and Demi. I'm Steve. I'm Demi. And Demi, I understand we're getting some good reviews for the show. We've got some great reviews, Steve. LA Times says exceptionally clean, smooth, and easy drinking. CNN said smooth, I mean really smooth. Spirit Journal, impeccable quality, delicious. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that those sounds like things you would hear from the L.A. Times. What, what are you reading? I, uh, I'm i just reading the label of a liquor bottle, actually. That sounds appropriate. Yep. All right, a.k.a. Stephen Demi. Uh, you can find us on any podcast library, apparently. I guess we've really made it in the world. Just search a.k.a. show. As always, you know we got to turn it up a little bit up in here. Although it's Sunday. We're trying to do it before Monday. <laughs> yeah, I know it's serious. I know it's serious. And uh, But sometimes we got to have these conversations, folks. We can't run away from it. We cannot um, stay stagnant in our thinking and the way that we respond, not just only to each other, but to situations in our lives. This beautiful young man who lost his life mattered. You say to me, well, brother, how much is a life matter? I don't know. How much does your life matter? What about your mother? How much does her life matter? Your brother, your sister, your uncle. Your husband, your wife, your child. How much does one life matter? If that life is close to you, that life could be your whole world. To lose that life could render your whole world unlivable. Yes, this man's life had just as value as any other person breathing on the planet today. But it's not about him, we find out. It's about her. It's the stroking of her hair. It's the hugs that she received. It's the gift of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a compassion. You're already forgiven. Matter of fact, I don't even want you to go to jail. Just go on and live your life. Mm. What happened in that moment? Right. Here's a uh, representative from uh, Texas. Um, Representative Vesey is talking on the congressional floor about this incident. And this this is what I'm going to base on what happened in that moment. She encountered this beautiful black man. I'm heartbroken uh, that this man was killed in his own apartment, a place where all of us should feel safe. But what gets me most upset is that nothing has changed. I firmly believe that if Officer Geiger had walked into that apartment and seen a white man or a white woman, she would not have pulled that trigger. I firmly believe that. And that is the root of the problem. What I can say with certainty is that I'm tired of waiting for a time when it's safe to be a black man in America. Safe to be a black man in America. And we've dealt with this topic before. We talked about the vulnerability of being black in American society, especially a black man. We've talked about that. But here we go again with the same old song, the same old melody, the same old chords. Yeah, the same old sorrow and sadness and heartbreak. When will it be safe? Well, we find here that even at your own doorsteps, there's not safe. There's not safety. So, so what happened here? Okay. Here is the reason for his murder. My question was: Was he murdered simply because he was black, or was it an accident? It was an accident. It was an accident. He was murdered because he was black, and I'm gonna tell you why. The stigma that is assigned to black man. A black man is seen as being dangerous. He's seen as being a threat. Shifty. Less than human. Non-productive. And lazy. I don't care where you are. In America, you could be in the boardroom. You could be behind the pulpit. You could be LeBron James. For analytical purposes, what they write on his gate, nigga. Doesn't matter. Because this stigmatization follows every black man around. Whenever there's this split second choice that needs to be made all of this historical narrative is already embedded in the psyche of people that hold racist views and they act accordingly she said she was in fear for her life this man had a bowl of ice cream was he gonna kill her with that was she lactose intolerant I don't I don't I don't understand what the she was she could have ran. It wasn't like he she didn't know she didn't say that he rushed her. 
She said, put up your hands. Why was she afraid? Because just because he was black, he was a threat to her. And I agree with the representative from Dallas. If it had been a white man, it would never happen. It never happened. Right? So what do we do about these misconceived notions of what it means to be a black male? Well, there's a problem because they're permeating throughout our society. The, the media, history, newspapers have all demonized black men. This is what we're talking about, something that is so embedded in the fabric of America that it will cause this young lady to go in and murder this man. This innocent man. And so many others have been in have been innocent, have been shot and killed. Philando Castile. I mean, Michael Brown. I mean, the list goes on and on. Brother Trayvon Martin. I mean, we, we, we could spend a whole another hour talking about brothers being Travis Scott. Brother running away, getting shot in the back. On and on about innocent black people. Why? Why would a man be a threat when he running away? Because. Because. This is a reaction that happens in the moment. And that implicit bias, that history, all of that, that's what killed him. That which worked through her, her own understanding of what it meant to be black in America. You see, this is the greater question. What if a black police officer (laughs) entered the wrong apartment and murdered a young white woman? While she was eating ice cream and watching TV. (laughs) Yeah, I know the answer to that. You think they would have let him go for 72 hours? That's what they did to her. She didn't report for three days. Hmm? You think they would not have searched his home? We know the answer to that. And because we know the answer to that, that speaks to the problem that still exists. The inequities. Hmm. Yeah. But I beg to differ, though, folks. Let me just say this. I beg to differ only in his response versus her response in the hypothetical situation I just mentioned to you. You see, this black police officer, if he had have went to the wrong apartment, He would not have seen her as a threat. He would have saw her humanity. He would not not have thought to shoot first. He would not have been afraid. Why? Because we have normalized whiteness in our society. We have made white good and black bad. 
It's the standard by which we live and judge just about everything in our society, from the immigration debate, the people of color as being bad, white as being good. I'm not lying to you. And if you're denying it, then that's your problem. All you got to do is look around. How many black men have been killed with no gun and how many how, how many white men with gun have shot at the police officers, been taken to jail and they fine? Why? It's because of what I mentioned to you. If that was a black police officer, it would have been a conversation. It wouldn't have been murder. You say to me, you say to me, how do we solve this? Folks, this is ingrained. This is ingrained. I, I, I didn't come to the mic today to tell you how to solve this thing. I only came to tell you what happened. Each and every one of us has to take responsibility for our own action. Black, white, Asian, doesn't matter. Latino, doesn't matter. Jewish, doesn't matter. We all have to take responsibility for our own actions. But racism, racism is our original sin. And you talk about forgiveness. How can you root out? How, how, how can you ever overcome? How can you ever cure? How can you ever have a healing process when America won't even, won't even acknowledge the racist past and the racist present that we are in? We can't. We can't do it. So what do I say to you? I said he was murdered because he was black. And these are the reasons. And as we continue to move forward and to try to make sense of this racial tension and the fatal consequences that come from it, all we can do is not just forgive but to demand true justice because black lives matter. History will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time and what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided peoples. Yes, history will speak of us. We can make a difference if we try. We can be the change that's in our life. All we gotta do is work together. We gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice.
Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. This episode is brought to you by Blacken Studios. To learn more about Blacken Studios, go to blackenstudios.com or visit their Facebook page. The views and opinions of the One Mic, One Voice podcast show do not reflect the views of Blacken Studios or our other sponsors.